Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. Uh, intro myself. Uh, so I'm Julian Piano. I'm the owner of StrongFit. We've been... StrongFit was first... I mean, it's been an idea that has been there forever, but we really, we took it on the on the road to do seminars and things like this, like what, five, six years ago? Yeah. Richard is actually the one who uh, convinced me to, to do, because at that time, I had my own, my own gym for like six years, struggling for five years. You know, when you compare, you're either paying your rent or the gym's rent at the beginning of the month. I don't think I was ever on time for either. Uh, so it was a lot of struggle. And suddenly I did that Barbershot podcast, which ch- literally changed my life, the business from like one day to the next. And then I finally started to make money. And Richard was like, so let's drop everything and let's go in the world and let's see what happens. So you're the crazy one. He's, well, yeah. <laughs> well, and mind you, I have an 11-year-old daughter. I'm like, sure, let's go do this and see what happens. <laughs> so we went on and so we've been on the, on the, we were on the road for three years doing seminars and then we settled in the Netherlands like two and a half years ago. And we went from just a pure movement system to a movement that incorporates many, many other things. So Strong Fit is not, to me, it's not a company. It's just the way I've lived my life from the beginning. It's uh, And the progress I've made through life, I've always been incorporated into this. How's it going? I'm Richard DeSavis. Um I've been under Julian's wing now for, it's going on eight years, I think. Um, CrossFit coach, CrossFit gym owner. Then just started getting into the strong fit stuff and seeing how much we're missing in the fitness industry. So that's been basically my drive from then on, just to make sure that we can do things better. Boomer Anderson, I host the Decoding Superhuman podcast. I also spend time on a company called Transcriptions, uh, looking at business strategy for companies in the health industry. But came across these guys when I was, you know, former CrossFitter, former powerlifter, and experiencing the extreme ends of all of that. And I uh, came across you guys a few years ago, have been in Amsterdam now for four years, and I'm embarrassed that this is one of the first times we've connected. <laughs> so people know, like you were in Singapore, you left Singapore four, and you were training at the gym that we did a seminar yeah. at, but you left four weeks before we got there. It was something that it was... Within a couple of weeks, yeah. as in I was going on the plane, heard you guys were coming, and yeah. then I started hearing more and more about StrongFit through uh, Melanie Lim, and then later on, Ed Caddy, who yeah. actually introduced us. Yeah. And, you know, it's been great to get to know you guys. Hopefully, once the weather changes, I'll be able to use some of my barbecue skills from, from Memphis, Tennessee, there we go. There we and go. Uh, get you guys over there. Just talk. Yeah, Carl Friston. Oh no, Carl Friston is the man. <laughs> I, I want to go to London. Like you're going with me, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I want to go to London. Oh yeah, when, but whenever they fucking open. Uh, yeah. No, no, I want to go. Like, the, but the dude, like, people don't understand what he's putting forward. I, I, do you think that's actually part of the problem with getting it out there? Is because he's yes. not able to translate it to. I think our, I think ego is an issue in this because I've talked to a guy who worked with him directly yep. and he's a professor in Eindhoven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the dude is super high and he said like he was in front of Carl Friston and he was like this, like, 
Uh, you know, like in front of, you know, oh my God, oh my God, like he could barely. Do you want to close the, the door? Uh, it should, it should be Because okay. if they start this, it's going to be for an hour straight. Yeah, let's close it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the guy was like, he's the, like right away you start talking to him and he says he's the greatest genius he's ever faced. But, and we're talking about a professor who teaches post PhD level stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had dinner with him just so we could talk about Carl Friesen and he was telling me, that's why he invited me to dinner. He's like his friends that have PhDs in mathematics and physics don't understand Carl Friesen. He's like, how come you can understand the concept when they can't? I was like, that's another problem. But the, <laughs> a lot of them go see Carl Friesen and leave going like, What did he just say? Yeah. And there's a lot of that at play where he goes all over the place because you have to understand whenever he talks about a subject, then he's going to take you toward laws of economics versus this versus this to go back to the point of neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, a lot of them don't like it because they feel stupid. Because they're having to venture outside of their comfort zone, obviously. And yeah. there is sort of this social cultural programming where you're looking up to a person and seeing that he is a genius and therefore you're kind of just letting him do his thing and I, I'm losing my train of thought here, but it's just right. Because he's taking you in a place. So you're looking up to the guy. He's a genius. He's like, please take me with you. Yeah. Which is what you're there for. Just blow my mind and everything. And then suddenly the guy takes you to a place where you go, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly <laughs> he's like, but then, then you feel rejected. He's mm -hmm. like, but I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I'm, I thought I was smart and I don't understand. And he's like, yeah, And he doesn't care. And he just keeps on going. And sounds, so, like, sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> that might have happened once. Yeah. Sounds familiar. And so, honestly, I think those people don't take it well. But pe people do not understand the genius of this man. He's going into concepts. You can tell sometimes he goes fishing into stuff. Mm -hmm. I think he does it to see if people are going to catch up or not. I think he's at a stage in his life where he's like, all right. You don't want to listen? It's all good. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. But I think behind the curtain, there's so much more. Mm -hmm. He goes fishing, and as soon as people start to blank out, he's like, I'm just going to talk about my shit anyways, because nobody's going to ask questions. Nobody. I might have done that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand why. Yeah, I think it's that. And I'm at very minute, you know, very small level. Mm -hmm. I totally get it, because there's a moment where you're looking at someone, you're going like, oh, okay. <laughs> you don't get it. Yeah, they go. They go. Yeah, yeah. But I think he will be seen as one of the greatest, not genius of all time, of overall. You yeah. know, like a like um like an Einstein, like uh, before that, like Isaac Newton, like mm -hmm. someone like that for the field of neuroscience. Yeah, we need a rock star for biology and neuroscience mm -hmm. and all of that, like we had for physics and math. Yeah, we need one of them on the side of the human. Of the, on the human side. Mm -hmm. And Carl Friston is that. And he's very eloquent. I wish he was a little bit more of a bad boy so he could be seen more because what he's talking about is finally... is things that Maxwell talked about, that Einstein talked about, the need to ally physics and biology. Even mm -hmm. Niels Bohr said it. Uh, Heisenberg, all those guys said like physics and biology have to be combined because we are missing something on the biology side. Yeah. Even them saw it a hundred years ago. Yeah. And we still, we're starting to do it, but very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. Right. I, and Carl Friston is the one that is getting the two together going, look, there's something there. And I wish we could hear what he's saying more. So in a way, if somebody, if there's a translator for Carl yeah. Friston, yeah. this would 
<laughs> you could actually bridge this gap, right? And so if you could take it, translate it to people that are probably in those disparate fields and see the interrelationships of them, then yeah, I mean, then the, the message spreads a lot quicker. Right? right. I think what you would have to do to translate him and say, guys, he's talking about economics because he starts to go into good house law, for example, stuff like that. People yeah. are going to be. Right. And then he just goes because he knows it mm-hmm. and he thinks you know it. Mm-hmm. But you don't because you're a neuroscientist or, or a mathematician or whatever. And he keeps jumping on stuff. And I know what he's talking about because I happen to study the same stuff. Yeah. But most of the time, I'm like, oh, I know where he's going with this. And I'm sure 90% of people don't, don't even understand. He's just referring to what he's doing is he's referring to other concepts of other disciplines to kind of show that this is not just neuroscience. It's yeah. a life concept yeah. that you can see the proof of what he's saying into other mm-hmm parts which is very important to prove what you're saying like if you if i give you a principle out of uh sociological science mm-hmm. if that's a science uh out of training and then have economics and physics then you would go okay i have a founding principle there i have something i can rely on because it works not for one thing but for different things yeah because if he only works for training but he doesn't apply to biology you'd be like all right that's you know what I mean? Like, that's not a true principle, right? Mm-hmm. So that, he does that a lot. But the, by doing that, though, he's talking to people that are hyper-specialists. They do not know outside of their, of their field. Like, there's a guy who was talking about, um, like, they were wrong about cancer and DNA. Mm-hmm. That most likely, it's not that. Paul Davis, an entire book on that. Uh, and he was like, well, I guess I have to uh, study the Krebs cycle now. Mm-hmm. Like, the dude is 80. I spent his entire life studying cancer, and now he's going into glycolysis? With the Krebs cycle, and I'm like, what do you mean you need to study the, the Krebs cycle? But that's how hyper-specialized people are. Yeah, no. yeah. It, but as a result, do you think this is Carl Friston trying to translate it to the masses, his method of trying to translate it to the masses, because he's able to relate it to all of these disparate fields, he's just hoping that one of these times where he throws it out to people, it clicks? No, he's, okay. he's, it's his mind. Okay. This is what I do. I'm uh, not, I'm right, but this is here. Let me give you the truth. Mm-hmm. It's Moses coming down the mountain. Here are okay. the 10 commandments <laughs> and I'll break them down on your head. But either you, I mean, like he's not, I think he's just speaks what he thinks is yeah. the truth because at the same time, his mind goes 10, 20 times past. Yeah. Once you've seen God in the bush and you have these commandments, you go like, guys, either you do it or you don't, but it's not up to me anymore. Like, I'm just going to go back and talk to God. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, I think he's more like that, where his mind is toward, I think he's, and I believe he's advancing humankind mm-hmm. at a very fast rate on this. And all he's doing is allowing us to see the truth in the back mm-hmm. as he moves forward. And I think his mindset is that, like, his work is too important to be lost on trying to convince hyper-specialists that get their ego bruised because they don't understand him. Right. That's what I think. Now, should, right. should we intro this thing? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 by the way. Yeah. Carl Friston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pre-intro. Well, I, like how, I like talking about Carl Friston, man. Yeah, we could, we could jump right into Carl Friston. I mean, we can intro it or I can record the intro separately. Go, 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 go. Go, go intro it. No, that I, way all people will know, too. Yeah. So. All right. So we've got Julian and Richard here from StrongFit. Uh, first, at, like... Rather than me intro this, I would love to just start with the idea of burn the questions because it's mm-hmm. a phrase that I heard several years ago. I told you like I came across you guys when I was living in Singapore. Yep. Right. Where the hell did burn the questions come from? Uh, it's from uh, Heidegger. 
okay. who, who was not a Nazi. He was a Nazi sympathizer in, in 1930 before they started burning people. Anyway, long story. <laughs> um, no, because people get it wrong. Like he actually renounced that later on. Um, he was, he was a, uh, what he was saying is that when someone was asking what the goal was, you know, philosophy based, it was like the point is to burn the questions. Mm -hmm. And um, I was doing the Barbell Shred podcast, episode mm -hmm. one, uh, 190 or 191. And uh, I talked about a lot about pushing on the sled and pushing to a high intensity level safely, obviously, but being able to push past a certain intensity so that you could access parts of yourself that are locked until you reach a certain intensity. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Western society and the soft life that we live. We all got soft. Mm -hmm. And to go to certain places within you, you're going to have to push there. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go there. And what's going to block you from going there is usually you talking to yourself. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing that. Like, is that safe? Should I be doing this? Of course. Oh, it's right. Exa world. Yeah. Exactly. It's all the walls. Right. Welcome to the default network. And you know, the procrastinating and then you're around the sandbag, you're around the sleds going like, I should go. But then you start talking to yourself and now it's been two minutes and you're still not pushing the sled mm -hmm. and you start and to I've wonder done why. Today, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you're like, right. And I'm pretty sure it's crazy anyway. Why, why am I doing this again? And then again, you, all you're doing is procrastinating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my point was, if you want to go to a place where you can make progress truly, but not just as an athlete, as a human, right? You're going to have to burn those questions. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go past worlds in, directly into action where, of course, you don't want to do the stuff. Mm -hmm. No one wants to do it. You think I like it? No one wants to, no one wants to do it. Well, you like the results. But the first time, you didn't <laughs> like it either. Now, I mean, like when you know how much pain you're about to be and yeah. you look at the sled and you go, the first time you go, shit. Mm -hmm. And then you learn that there is actually a love-hate relationship there because that sled will bring you so much on a human level that you start to actually love the pain you're going to go through because you know that at the end of the parking lot, there's a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so there was that. But to get to that better version of yourself, you're going to have to burn those questions yeah. to mm -hmm. the ground. Like there's no, and that actually relates to that podcast we did is that there's actually an entire neuroscience part to this from the brain networks, but you're going to have to access a part where it's not repression, but where you put those doubts away. Mm -hmm. And there's only one way to put them away is to by burning them to the ground. Okay. So it's like, push the sled. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much pain you're in. I don't care that you want to stop. Don't. Take two yeah. more steps. You can always take two more steps. So you go until your body shuts off. Once you can go there, once you have pushed past your own barriers, then you're better. Mm -hmm. uh, just a side question here. Is there a danger if you're pushing it too hard, too long? Not too, on a sled. Okay, no, don't get me wrong. If you were to do five sets of that every day, you just destroy your nervous system. Yeah. Sooner or later, you'll put yourself in freeze mm -hmm. because yeah. the amount of energy that you spend doing that I is so great. I don't even so think great. you can put that much intensity into it. Yeah, you probably After like the pace. second or third day, you just sleep you all pace. day. I mean, yeah. You would not. And you pace the shit out of it. We've, uh, we've tried. Yeah, we've, we've tried. tried. <laughs> we've done it three, three weeks, for three weeks, three times a yeah. week, and then we just crashed. Like by the, by the fourth week, we just couldn't push anymore. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. to the same place. That, but that's why we use the sled. Now, yeah. could you, if you were to do that, let's say with a barbell back squat, yeah. that, that'd be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Here goes your knees, here goes yeah. your back. Here goes falling with a barbell, like collapsing, uh, like the way Tom Platz was doing it mm -hmm. with a barbell back squat for the ones who don't know, uh, Google Tom Platz. And he was doing, like, I talked to him directly and he told me this story was true. He did 315, 140 kilos for 50 reps, 5-0. Yeah. Jesus. No, no, no. <laughs> Took five minute rest, did it again. <laughs> and he's like, I did that once in my life, but I did it. Right. So like, because his thing was, I'm going to 
push past exhaustion. Mm -hmm. He would do that and then finish with quarter squats and then just like little just bend until he would just be gone. So now with the barbell, that's dangerous, mm -hmm. right? You can't do that too often. He could do it, but no. The idea was to use the sled so that you remove the pressure on the joint, the pressure on the spine, the eccentric part of it, because you'll be so sore. Okay. Like you can actually do damage. You can mm -hmm. give yourself rhabdo. Mm -hmm. You can pop your joints, hurt your back or do stuff like that. On a sled though, we remove all this. There's no eccentric, no pressure on the joints, very little, mm -hmm. no pressure on the spine. And what's stopping you from doing two more reps? So your mind will give up before your body does. You cannot go to a stage when your body truly gives up on the sled. Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. Your mind will give up first. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I mean, maybe there's heat involved, but that would be a, that would you would be have an to go extra really hard. No, like yeah. I passed out once. Like I mean, did it in a sauna. yeah. I mean, like if you're doing stupid shit, like you're dehydrated, or, right? You know what I mean, like, I mean come on, like that. Yeah. But if you're anybody and their grandmother, I've had grandmothers do this, like yeah. little kids. If you're a, healthy in that sense like taking care of yourself and hydrating you, mm -hmm. you're okay. right you can always hurt yourself doing something yeah. but yeah. so can you crossing the street so it, yeah. i mean like that's not the conversation right can you take once for example but also we're not doing we're not saying 20 sets because mm -hmm. i'm sure you can probably find a way to hurt yourself yeah. you can by the way you can fall on the sled that mm -hmm. would hurt you <laughs> like we, we had someone yeah um that's happened before yeah yeah okay like slip. in the uk bah! they thought they were go-karts and they were trying to bumper car each other that and too. run each other over yeah, that, Anywho, not the point. But. Not the point. <laughs> but, um, if you, let's say you take one set, right? Because that yeah. was the idea. You take one set and then you push that one set as hard as physically uh, and fine, mentally possible. Nah, mm -hmm. it's completely safe. Okay. Trust me, like you are so far from your max. Mm -hmm. Even when you stop, you're still so far. You know when the Navy SEAL said, when you quit, you are 60%. Mm -hmm. Trust me, on a sled, we've seen that. Yeah. You can always go further. You can always go harder. You're not even close. You will not reach that stage on the sled. All right. Maybe this is the appropriate time to transition into lactate. Because yeah. uh, the discussion, lactate actually came more to my awareness because of you guys and mm -hmm. how, how you've really focused on it over the years, or at yeah. least it seems like you focused on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Walk me through how both of you came to the discussion around lactate as particularly the brain's main fuel, but maybe also right. the body's as well. Uh, it is both. <laughs> but that's actually the entire conversation. So that was a rabbit hole where I went into lactate. Through glycolysis. Through glycolysis. I was looking at glycolysis. What was I looking at glycolysis? Right, because there was an entire conversation on glucose. Right, that's why. Yeah. Because of nutrition. Yeah. So, um, because everybody's talking about glucose and ketones, right? And right, so and, now it, you're, and everything you're sort of, is glucose, glucose, glucose. And yeah. first of all, just because you ingest glucose doesn't mean you're going to use it in the muscle. Like that, I was like, guy, that's an oversimplification. It's like saying eating fat will make you fat. <laughs> yes, and playing basketball will make you tall. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. obviously, look at basketball player they're all tall so there's mm -hmm. something there right it was the same kind of argumentation i was like guys come on like because everybody was like well if you want performance you need carbs i'm like i understand the carbs to make the story short like um we are not looking at nat nutrition and it's a, and it's and the nervous system what it does like protein versus fats versus carbs do not have the same impact on the nervous system one is parasympathetic the one is sympathetic and everybody just kept pushing the idea that you have to have carbs to have glucose in the system and i was like no you don't because there's something called glycolysis and so i and gluconeogenesis and stuff like that i was like all right so let me look a little bit further into the subject and 
uh, I was I started to go into that and then we have Wim who uh, trains a lot of marathon runners and uh, endurance athletes who had an entire thing on lactate and its importance toward uh, lactate as a fuel and things like this which I I, I don't like to study like the uh, pure biology because I don't like to memorize things yeah. I'm, much, I'm much more of a conceptual intelligence person right mm -hmm. outside of uh, I memorize through this thing the shit a thousand times but I don't like to do like you know like the testing school memorization type of thing so I yeah. was like okay and then I start to go into it okay so lactate as a fuel versus lactate as a waste product I mean waste product that's we're talking 1920 1970 all this stuff and I start to look at it more lactate as a fuel which makes more sense and there's a rabbit hole that opens and the more I go into the lactate the more I realize that it's more than a fuel it's also an anti-inflammatory he has it seems to have antidepressants effects and uh and then he goes on and on and on he can create panic attacks on, uh, amongst anxious people I'm like all right so is it a waste product or is it a fuel? So I start to go into this and then you start to realize it's a fuel. And then you start to go now into how do you produce lactate? Well, glycolysis, glycose into lactate. But then you start to realize that they go glycolysis into pyruvate mm -hmm. for glycolysis and pyruvate gets transformed into lactate anaerobically. That's mm -hmm. usually the way we look at it. Except in the brain, it doesn't. In the brain, it's lactate to pyruvate, pyruvate to lactate aerobically. Mm -hmm. And then you start to go through Brooks, like the lactate shovel theory, you start to go further and further and further. And then at the end, you see during glycolysis, and that's going to make everybody scream, is that it's not lactate to pyruvate, enfin, it's not like glucose to pyruvate, and then it's straight uh, glucose to lactate. Mm -hmm. That pyruvate to lactate is part of glycolysis. And then after that, lactate goes back to being pyruvate in specific uh, situation when it goes into the cytosol. And anyway, I'm not going to go there. But um, there was an entire rabbit hole there where I was like, but how come the guys are proving this? And still in school anywhere, it's thought that lactate is a waste product. Yeah. Or if it's a fuel, well, anaerobically. And like, so it seems that no, lactate is a fuel aerobically or anaerobically. It makes no difference. Mm -hmm. Hypoxia makes no difference. Lactate is the fuel. And very importantly, lactate is a fuel of the brain as well. Mm -hmm. And so now that opened a major rabbit hole. Because if you look in the brain, you see that lactate, to make story short, because if you can see the video, you'll see that on the, on the windows over there, <laughs> that uh, lactate is a signaling molecule toward a part of the brain called the locus coeruleus that yep. produces noradrenaline. Mm -hmm. What was interesting to me on that is noradrenaline is the neurotransmitter of the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that there's, a, that there's not a causality, but a, uh, a correlation between the sympathetic nervous system and lactate, which makes sense. But then that led me toward anxiety and lactate. Mm -hmm. toward testing those things. And what we saw is people that are anxious have higher levels of lactate at rest than, uh, than, than non-anxious people mm -hmm. with athletes and everything, which if it's a waste product, it's, it's one thing. But if it's a, a fuel, even for the brain, then it's another. If it's a waste product, you see anxiety as just a problem, like, you know, waste product and stuff like that. But if it's a fuel, then suddenly anxiety is a function. Mm -hmm. Like you have more lactate so that you can use it more anxiety is just a step on the sympathetic nervous system trying to lead you to fight or take action toward whatever that is that is creating that state. Mm -hmm. So seeing lactate correctly changes even the idea of anxiety completely. So anxiety in this case then could be seen as the underutilization of, of lactate, but yeah. also means that do you have more 
I guess, looking at a physics term here, resting potential for brain use. Exactly. Okay. Right. It would be that. So anxiety would be a function, mm-hmm. not a disease, like they trying yeah. to put it like that. And anxiety has a negative connotation. But if you look, you have anxiety when you go see a super, you have a movie mm-hmm. that you want to go see. Techni- you feel excited, but technically it's not that far from anxiety. You know what the difference is? One you want to see, the other one you don't. Mm-hmm. Right? There are situations in life you don't want to deal with. That's where anxiety, you have the pit in the stomach, but that's because you don't want to do that versus wanting. So it's not the physiological part Mm -hmm. that makes it non-enjoyable. It's how you look at it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come into play in a major way for anxiety and stuff like that. But so yeah, anxiety would be just a elevated state to allow you to fight whatever the hell is stressing you out. A function of Mm -hmm. the sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if... Uh, then we, uh, if we're reframing anxiety, then right. we're looking at n- new ways of dealing with it, right? Because, exactly. That's the point. No. Uh, yeah. And so you're looking at a new way of dealing with anxiety. And of course, we're going to be talking about movement here in a second. Yep. But let's let's connect the dots here with lactate and nor- noradrenaline yep. um, and how that, that yep. works. Because That's a major one. there's another negative connotation that you mentioned, which is the sympathetic nervous system. Yes. And so how do we look at and this is a multi-layered question, I guess. How do we look again at the sympathetic nervous system in a new light so that it can be Very more of a strategic use? Y- yes, because people see sympathetic as fight and flight. Yep. So first of all, there's a negative connotation in fight. Mm-hmm. When you say fight, most people, by the way, visualize losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. When you say fight, yeah. When you really? say f- yeah. Okay. And even when you ask people, they're like, I didn't go into a big enough fight today. Like they still make themselves, it's always negative. Because they think losing. If you think fight, fist fight, you think losing. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. I think winning. Yeah. (laughs) Because I fought. Yeah. Right. But if you, let's say you go into a fight that you know you're going to win. You know you're going to fuck up the other guy. Would you be that nervous about it? No. No, because you're going to, and you kind of, remember Mike Tyson saying I have an, uh, I I feel arousal arousal. when I fuck somebody up. (laughs) Right. There's a reason for that. (laughs) That's another problem. Um, All fighters will recognize this. Like Mm -hmm. if you go into a fight going, oh, I'm going to fuck you up. You know, when you start to see the guy flinching and starting to to lose and you go, like, that's not a bad feeling. I'm sorry. And anybody who thinks that part is bad is because you never fought or at least you never won. Yeah. It's just because you're thinking losing. Mm -hmm. It's because you don't want to be in a fight. Mm -hmm. But what if I want to be in a fight? What if you slap my fiance? Like, I'm not not anxious about fucking you up. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to do it. So sympathetic when we say fight, it's not always a bad thing. Like you're just visualizing a bad thing because you're visualizing losing. I'm visualizing winning. Mm-hmm. Well, and they visualize, I think, the suppression of anger has so right. much. That and suppression. they think that a fight yep. is exactly. a fist fight. And suppression. It's not necessarily a fight. It's, yep. you know, just doing action is going into a fight state, into a sympathetic. So it's, I think it's a connotation that the fight means it's going to be a fist fight or there needs to be this like seeing red angry right but even if we look at the physiological aspect what's what's a sign of sympathetic mouth breathing (laughs) like elevated heart rate you know you start to sweat from your forehead Mm -hmm. you start to have all those signs you you're you meet your person you think is going to be your wife for the first time you go up the stairs or you're about to ask her out you have those signs Mm -hmm. right so that's a sympathetic reaction that Mm -hmm. you have or you go up the stairs the first time to pick her up for dinner, you're yeah. breathing a bit like this. All guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. we don't want to say it, but we're all yeah. like, 
what if she says no what if like uh, I hope right. I'm, I don't fuck up tonight which is what she's <laughs> thinking as well I hope he doesn't fuck up tonight um, <laughs> so but those are all sympathetic reactions so that's the problem too is we associate the fight and flight is a really is a misnomer by the way it's also hunting or being hunted yeah there's a difference there who mm -hmm. wants to be hunted no one mm -hmm. we have a very long memory of this shit but hunting is not a bad thing because you're going to get food you're going to i mean like it, that's a better way of explaining it so we have a warped view of what a sympathetic is sympathetic is just dealing with the outside mm -hmm. the parasympathetic if you look it's mostly dealing with the inside it's healing it's uh doing a number of things but to energy pointed toward the inside The sympathetic is simply energy pointing toward the outside, dealing with shit. Mm -hmm. The second you deal with stuff, you're in the sympathetic reaction because it's a matter of energy conservation versus energy expenditure. That's how the system thinks about it, really, because everything is about energy, always. Mm -hmm. And so being bored is already a sign you're getting toward the sympathetic because it's like, I need to do something. Mm -hmm. Right, so they're already going toward the sympathetic. So it's anxiety and everything. So that whole fight and flight is has created the negative view of the sympathetic but that's mostly because people in their life like they have anxiety because maybe they don't like what they're doing mm -hmm. they don't like working 14 hours a day they might be tired you're yeah. exhausted from working so hard yep. guess what happened when you're exhausted your body's like dude we need to conserve energy we need to heal so i need to pull you back toward the parasympathetic side but you keep pushing Yeah. By using coffee, drugs, getting angry, whatever your fix is, right? And the body is like, dude, stop. We're just running out. So now there's a fight between the two. And that's not a good thing for the body. So you're looking at the sympathetic nervous system for the negative side effect that eventually happened because you stopped listening to your body a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So there's an entire thing there toward the sympathetic that people misunderstand. Um uh, Happiness is a sympathetic sign. Like whenever you're super energetic because you're winning, that's mm -hmm. a sympathetic as well. So there's, there's, good, there's no good and bad in nature. There's only yeah. function, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the function of sympathetic is so important. So people think also like brute force no. when they think sympathetic. That's not true. If you, you study something very exciting and everything, that's not a parasympathetic stuff. It's going to be sympathetic as well. It's just, it's not that simple, right? And so the, the sympathetic nervous system If not controlled, for example, will lead to, to issues. Healing is a good part. You cut yourself. First, you get a red swelling. You know mm -hmm. why? Because the sympathetic nervous system is active because now it's trying to kill all germs from entering mm -hmm. and to make sure like you are ready to close the wound and do all that stuff. So you need that, right? But let's say the, the sympathetic is out of control. Then you will get a major inflammation that keeps on spreading or like, you know, like an autoimmune disease or, or things like this. So yes, there can be issues associated with the sympathetic, but that doesn't mean the sympathetic is bad in itself. It mm -hmm. just means things got out of control. Things got imbalanced. Mm -hmm. It happens the same way on the parasympathetic as well. Like if you start to spend only energy in, eventually you're incapable of being in Going contact outwards, with the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's depression. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could see how both sides are like that. And so when we start to look at the sympathetic and its importance, it's far more than we understand. And by the way, freeze is not in the sympathetic. It's in the parasympathetic. In the parasympathetic side. When you hear the elementary description of the central yeah. nervous system, it's fight, flight, freeze, right? They and won't. it's okay. Yeah. Uh, 
talk about Freeze. Freeze is actually, so uh, Dr. Porges, the one I came up with HRV and all that stuff, mm -hmm. had what is something called a polyvagal theory, yeah. which he was showing that the freeze mode actually comes from the dorsal vagus nerve. It's on the parasympathetic side. Mm -hmm. It's our ultimate and oldest form of defense, which is playing dead, which okay. is shutting off. So if you push the sympathetic to the point where Conserve, uh, conservation of energy is necessary because now the physically we're at risk, mm -hmm. then it will shut you off naturally and put you into the freeze, which is a parasympathetic side is toward the dorsal vagus nerve. It's a shut off mechanism that is necessary because sometimes playing dead is the best form of defense. Mm -hmm. If you've lost every other way, then playing dead is, is the way. And that's why we see depression being. It's like when all forms of uh, fighting have lost, then you need to reset everything. And that's where depression comes in. Okay. So there's a very important aspect between the two. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about noradrenaline and yep. baseline. I'm going to be yep. guided by you as yes. to which way to take this because uh, the way you look at baseline, especially yep. when it comes to anxiety states right. and... Um, why don't we go with baseline first? Yeah. So just to finish, noradrenaline, yeah. why does it matter yeah. so much? Because it's the neurotransmitter of the sympathetic nervous system. Yep. That's the one, mm -hmm. right? And it's all produced mainly by the locus coeruleus, mm -hmm. which happens to be, so there's the, and then the lactate comes in on that because the lactate will signal to the locus coeruleus to produce adrenaline. So mm -hmm. there's an entire play lactate, uh, sympathetic nervous system. So that's why the noradrenaline is so important, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to come back to noradrenaline. Yeah, we're going to come back, but so yeah. people understand why uh, noradrenaline is such an important part. Yeah. So when we look at baseline, what we saw is um, there were studies done on schizophrenia, anxiety, and depression. Mm -hmm. And we saw the same uh, concept, the same principles at play, which means if you look at schizophrenia, you have uh, what is called positive and negative symptoms. It's not good versus bad. Positive symptoms means hallucinations. Mm -hmm. uh, so, King, you know, George V told you to go kill dragons. And um, negative symptoms just means you're catatonic. Mm -hmm. Right. And more, the more they were toward um, the negative symptoms, the more we saw the noradrenaline levels being low. You can test that through skin conductance, things like this. So mm -hmm. depressed people, you know, like they can barely feel anything because the skin conductance is actually very low amongst other things, right? And then where they were going toward positive symptoms, like the full hallucinations, their noradrenaline levels were much higher, was very high on the hyper side, almost. Now we saw that with anxiety mm -hmm. as well. Like people that have panic attacks and everything, their noradrenaline levels are through the roof. So, so are their lactate levels at mm -hmm. baseline. So that's mm -hmm. why it matters. And then when you look at depression, you see a baseline that is very low when they have the very low. Uh, so there's two types. Let me rephrase. There's two types of depression. What is something that is called anxious depression, where people actually have anxiety and then they have a response to stress that just crashes them. Okay. And you have people that are very low naturally with a response to stress that crashes them even more. Mm -hmm. So some people depressed have a high baseline toward anxiety. Others have a very low baseline. When we look at that, we saw the people with anxiety with a high baseline having elevated level of neuroadrenaline. Mm -hmm. People with low uh, baseline have very low level of neuroadrenaline. So the adrenaline, more than the serotonin and all this, seems to not as a causation, but at least as a correlation of where you are in your everyday life. When you are like super hyper, you would see that with uh, bipolars. Mm -hmm. uh, like this, not in that study, but I can bet you it's the same. When they feel super happy and everything is cool, they'll be high level of noradrenaline. When mm -hmm. they feel down, they'll have low level of noradrenaline. I'm not implying causation, but I think there is, it seems to be like a, not a target, but a measure 
of where you are in your baseline relates to your noradrenaline levels. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there's a relationship between lactate and noradrenaline, you can make that jump. Okay. Uh, so it seems like an easy solution here for some of these. A simple at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's not, never not, easy. not easy solution, yeah. but uh, a I simple mean, one, one yeah. of the, one of the things that you and I discussed before yeah. was the idea of, uh, common depression drugs now being replaced <laughs> with, uh, yeah. so yes. SSRI is becoming SNRIs, SNRIs or SNRIs. Um, adrenergic, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no adrenergic. Yeah. So essentially if we were to look at this and I know this is the wrong way to look at it cause you shouldn't look at anything. It's not deterministic, but yeah. Yeah. It's it, so if you're looking at it deterministically, noradrenaline, obviously key to emotional state and Right. Again, it's not deterministic, but let's yeah. let's oversimplify a bit and let's go down that road so yeah. people can at, at least conceptualize the idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So going down the road of noradrenaline, if we wanted to manipulate our, our state of anxiety or depression yeah. or just being at sort of a higher energy level, mm -hmm. what are sort of the mechanisms that we can use in order to manipulate right. that? So the reason we are talking about serotonin versus yeah. noradrenaline is serotonin seems to be a target of the orexin neurons yep. that produce the noradrenaline, mm -hmm. the target down, uh, downstream of those neurons are the serotonin neurons. So mm -hmm. it seems like we have looked at serotonin as a molecule of happiness and that's complete bullshit anyway, because that, that was, that's not even a uh, oversimplification. That's just plain wrong. Like yeah. we don't understand serotonin and it's, it's downstream when it comes to the loop anyway. If you go upstream, you see noradrenaline yeah. first and the orexin neurons, which is a very important part of the whole equation. And this is why you see more and more of those anti-depression pills not relating on serotonin anymore, but going to our noradrenaline mm -hmm. uh, because that's just upstream mm -hmm. when, it, when it comes to this. They're still deterministically looking at it, so it's still wrong. But we're starting to move forward a little bit. And um, I lost my train of thought. Where was I? What was, your, was the question again? Huh? Oh, yeah. Then what we could do with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that means, let's say we have... So again, I'm going to oversimplify it and look at it in a deterministic way. It doesn't work quite like that, but yeah. just so people can visualize it. So let's imagine you are anxious. That means uh, you have elevated levels of noradrenaline. We tested people. We saw le elevated levels of lactate. Mm -hmm. We've seen that. We tested it. Like I even did the, the test at, at the, with the IR, I remember? Yep. We had the seminar. I test my uh, blood levels of lactate and I'm at 1.0 minimal, mm -hmm. right? I have a small fight about my daughter because she doesn't want to do the testing and I'm getting pissed as usual. Uh, I'm not as patient as yeah. I should be as a father. <laughs> Within like 45 <laughs> seconds, it was crazy right. how fast it was. And then we tested. And then by the way, so I get pissed, right? I let myself cool down. I test. I'm at 3.0. And I tripled my level of lactate. Couple, a couple minutes? With a couple, couple minutes, minutes, yeah. Wow. I mean, there was okay. It was a 45 second me yelling at her. Uh, yeah. Can you please do the test? No. Richard said he doesn't like needles. I'm like, but you're not Richard. I don't like needles. Yeah, he doesn't like needles. Because <laughs> he didn't want to do the test. He's like, you're not poking me with this. I'm like, that's Richard. You're not, can you? Because I wanted to, to know as a test. And of course, so anyway, that last a minute. I call myself down and I'm like, oh, let me do the test again. So literally within four minutes max of each other, I'm at a 3.0. Mm -hmm. after the stuff because there's a fight I didn't want versus a fight I want yeah. there's a level there as well so um, what we've seen is that people anxious have a high level of lactate so mm -hmm. I'm like alright so just to limit at least your anxiety or teach you to control it I could you're obviously going toward the sympathetic side yeah. right yeah. or noradrenaline lactate sympathetic alright so all I would have to do to make you at least not feel such crippling anxiety though I don't want to be there because I'm going to have to teach you to want to be there and stop not wanting to be there which is another thing I would need to take not 
lower the, your level of neuroadrenaline, just lower your, the level of your sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Because your nervous system is the one that perceives the world. He, that's the one that tells you to pump the lactate and the noradrenaline and everything because you don't want to you want to be there but you want to take that action and everything so i was like instead of looking at it in a, such a deterministic way downstream i'm going to go upstream just like they're doing from serotonin to noradrenaline mm -hmm. so let me go one step further and go nervous system so what i need to do is i need to bring you back from the sympathetic where you're just going too far like i did not need yeah. to fight with yaya like that mm -hmm. How do I bring myself? There's a simple way to not go so far in the sympathetic is to bring the parasympathetic into action. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We do some light cardio with nasal breathing, a specific type of song, but basically learn teaching you. I can't. Don't tell me not to say basically all the time. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, bring yourself back toward the parasympathetic. Yeah. We know how to do that. We can use light exercises, light cardio, not too fast. We can mm -hmm. use breathing, all nasal breathing. We can use uh, high-frequency music or things like this. And that allows you to bring yourself back toward the parasympathetic, not having such a high sympathetic reaction all the time, therefore lowering your baseline. Mm -hmm. So after that, it's a matter of how far do I want to lower the baseline? You, mm -hmm. you know, because there's no, no one said everybody should be at a two. Yeah. It depends on who you are. If you're a super creative, maybe super driven person, being at a seven is great. Yeah. But maybe being at a nine is not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe, so where is your baseline? Is it a two? Is it a six? Is it an eight? Not necessarily where you are now, but where you need to be to have the life you want to have. Okay, yeah. so this involves, I'm imagining a lot of questions and conversations with the yeah. client or whoever you're talking to yeah. because, um, like you said, a person's baseline could be a two, a seven. It really depends on the life that they want to live. And where they are now. So okay. for example, maybe your baseline should be a five, yeah. but you're at seven. Yeah. Okay. So how do I bring you back to five? I could use that, the nasal breathing, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But maybe you're at a three and you, I need to, you need to be a five. So now you need to go up, not yeah. down. So you need more sympathetic, not less. Mm-hmm. But so people but will so go the, like everybody should be at a two, but that's not true. But the reaction to stress is so important because, well. yep. I mean, I, I, you see when you see it in like the extremes. I always bring up the Avicii documentary. When you see this guy yes. having panic attacks, where it's literally just a symptom of heart rate starts to elevate and the whole system goes, "This is not good. I'm yeah. going to have a panic attack." And he goes, and you see everybody around him going, oh, "Just calm down, dude." And <laughs> you're like, "Well, that's you know what I mean. Like, there's something that could have been done to avoid that." Mm -hmm. And so I think paying attention to the reaction to stress and yeah, understanding that there is no, no protocol or boxes to check, but being able to understand, like we did the, the assessment yesterday with yeah. you, being able to understand where you are mm -hmm. and understanding that, hey, you know what, you're doing all this work. I can't crash you for the next three days, even though it might be what you need, but you don't have three days to be stay mm -hmm. crashed. So what we need to do is we need to slowly build that reaction to stress until I can get you to a point where you can tolerate that outside stressor coming in, that load coming in, right? Uh -huh. And so it's all about, you know, basically finding the levels of lactate and you regulate. You said basically. Oh, now you, you may stick with <laughs> <it. laughs> No, it's in your head. <laughs> see, I got you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but so that it allows you to, it allows me to see how much I can push a person. Yeah. Right. So on the on the on the human aspect, you I, I you can see the reaction to stress. And now being able to understand what needs to be done in order to bring the lactate levels up or down. Mm -hmm. that's the second mm -hmm. part of the equation is that is yeah. the reaction to stress 
So you have two sides to this, which is where the pills always fail. Is you so have a baseline. Just real quick, Julian. Yeah. So baseline, if we refer, is baseline stress level. Is that how it is? You no, no, no stress level because again, they're going to look at it from a negative yeah, perspective. Guess, it's yeah. your baseline activity level. Mm -hmm. You know, like mentally, like how hype do you want to be? You want to be a two, yeah. a five, a seven, nine, you can't maintain. Let's say from one to 10, like zero, you're probably down. 10, yeah. you, it's a panic attack. Yeah. Right. So you have the baseline of that. But do you need to be like kind of on all day? Yeah. Or are you more like a chill person? For example, I need to be on all day. Yeah. I want to study. I want to do stuff. I always want to be borderline aggressive. Rich is always chill. He likes to be chill. He's like, I don't care. I love myself. I like, you know, life is good all the time. I'm like, that's great. I don't know. I need to fucking fuck, fuck shit up almost all day. Yeah. yeah. Not at night, but during the day, that's how I like to live. Mm -hmm. But that's not, uh, we both function just well like that. He just, he has his own baseline and, and I have my baseline. So first you need to establish that. Mm -hmm. And now comes what Richard is talking about, which is a reaction to stress. So now, yeah. let's say I'm at a seven all day. Right. Let's say 10 is panic attack. Mm -hmm. If my reaction to stress is a plus three, then every time there's a stress, I'm going to have a panic attack. Yeah. So that means that for me to be at a seven all day, I need to have a reaction to stress that is a plus one. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to train myself not to overreact to any stress in life. Otherwise, it's going to be panic attack left and right. Mm -hmm. Now, Richard, at, if he's at the two all day, he can have a reaction to stress that is a plus three. He doesn't care. So all he's going to do is kind of make him feel a little bit more lively. Going mm -hmm. like, okay, I need to do work. So his reaction to stress and my reaction to stress have to be different. So mm -hmm. we train that differently. But there's also the reaction to stress that crashes you, that goes the other way, which means some people, they are the baseline of seven, mm -hmm. or let's say they are baseline of nine. But every time they have a stress, they actually shut down. They lower the noradrenaline levels, the sympathetic goes down. That means they are a minus three. Mm -hmm. If I have a baseline of nine, which means I'm borderline panic attack all day, anytime there's a stress, I end up at a six. I'm going to think, oh, this is great. I should be more stressed because yeah. I feel better. So now you're going to sabotage your life and make everything you do so that you're stressed out all the time because you feel better because mm -hmm. you have a horrible reaction to stress where you're supposed to be a plus one, not a minus three. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you're in the depressed state, look, you're already on a minus one as a baseline and you have a minus three reaction to stress. Mm -hmm. Then every time something happens, you go in your cocoon and you just can't leave your house. And that's when we see. But if you are at a minus one, which means always, but you have a reaction to stress that is a plus five, which is bad, but it puts you at a, at a plus four, you feel better. So now you're going to look for stress in order to take yourself out of your depression all day. Mm -hmm. So the whole exercise is to have a baseline where you are at your most functional and a reaction to stress where you are at your most functional. Mm -hmm. Where we see problems is people that have a dysfunctional baseline and a dysfunctional reaction to stress, but they counteract each other where they end up in a good place. Because okay. then how do you know how to, how is, to deal is with that? that? Where I, I would guess people could um, become addicted to that feeling. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. 100%. You try to calm people down naturally, like just doing like what he said, the high frequency music, slow cardio, nasal breathing only. And they're like, it doesn't work. And I was like, what do you mean it doesn't work? They're like, well, I was trying to do six minute mile pace. I was, and I'm like, where, where did you even get? He's like, well, that's the point, isn't it? To try and stay at 120 beats per minute on the heart rate as fast as you can. And I was like, no, <laughs> the point is just to go listen to music. And just to go listen to your own thoughts. This is why, yeah, this is why you told me yesterday not to look at my bike with all the gadgets and yeah, measures exactly. on it. Yeah, exactly. But okay. so like, that's the thing is people can't be with their own thoughts. So they sabotage it nonstop. Yeah. We had people at a seminar, we had someone saying, is it safe to do what we call Disney December? Yeah. So 30 to 40 minutes of cardio, 
with the Disney princesses songs. We call that Disney December for that, mm -hmm. right? Why? Because it's high frequency. It's up and down with very high frequency pitches, mm -hmm. which brings safety. Well, especially with that voice, the way it is, the point is to promote safety. You do that with pure nasal breathing to stay on the parasympathetic side, just fast enough that you're not bored, yeah. but you don't go toward uh, conflicting thoughts either. Mm -hmm. Like so that you don't, don't have a sympathetic reaction, but you push. So we push a parasympathetic as high as we can do, right? Mm -hmm. That allows you to be alone in your head, but not bored in a good place for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. which is an extremely important skill. So you can be alone with yourself, with your own thought, but without having intrusive thought patterns, not what laundry do I need to do? What do you need to do tomorrow or stuff like that, right? So normally a very calming meditation type exercise, yeah. just an active, we call it active meditation mm -hmm. because you're doing something physically because I need to bring the levels of lactate down. That's mm -hmm. what the exercise is for. So you use the lactate that you keep pumping because mm -hmm. lactate is a fuel. Yeah. So I'm going to calm you down mentally and physically by doing this, bringing you at a good baseline where you're in sync with your body, the heart becoming a huge part of all of this. Like that's another podcast, but there's a point to this <laughs> that is already. very specific to Disney December. HRV will go up. There's mm -hmm. a very, very specific measurable effect with Disney December to count, to, to reach peace in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. We had someone at a seminar asking, is it safe to do Disney December? I was safe. I was like, we, may <laughs> not, we must not be talking about the same thing. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not kidding. I had two people doing Disney December who got so violent, they broke their phone by the end of it. Why? Yeah. I'm going to get to that. And so I'm like, what do you mean got violent? They go like, they got in a murderous rage out of Disney December. I'm like, you got a murderous rage listening to Let It Go. Yeah. And Moana. I was yeah. like, like, there's no song better than Let It Go. Give me a yeah. break. Like even Eddie Weber, uh, you know, yeah. from Pearl Jam, sang it in his concert and everything. Yeah. It's a good song. That's fantastic. Exactly. I still love it. Um, and the guy got in a murderous rage. Why? Because, and I said, let me guess, cops are military. And guys were both. Ex-military turning into cops. They cannot bring the sympathetic system down. They cannot be alone in their thoughts, that's one, and they cannot bring the sympathetic system down. Mm -hmm. When they do that, relaxation hurts. Yeah. It's the entire sympathetic system, we're not going there. Yeah. And then so they kept fighting it, and every time I try to bring them down, the sympathetic wants to go further the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So Richard, you work with a lot of these sort of high-performer people, and yeah. is that a similar situation? Because I imagine ex, just because I came from this world, yeah. ex-bankers being able to sit alone with their thoughts probably doesn't matter. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, I take them to them not being with their thoughts. So you experienced yeah. it yesterday. It's, I, I, I can see when people start to want to disconnect and not be yeah. with their thoughts or not even not be with their thoughts. Sometimes they want to be with their thoughts too much to not actually do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when you start to see like they start talking back to you all the time. So I'm just looking for different signs of the body to see if you're actually being present with yourself mm -hmm. or if you're just starting to kind of endure being there and just totally zone out. Mm -hmm. That's usually because you're starting to touch very sensitive things happening in, in, in your in your body and your brain, right? So it's it's that. It's just it's learning to understand who that person is. And maybe they can't take an entire 45 minutes. What if we just start with five? Mm -hmm. What if we just start with 10? And then, you know, you slowly start to keep... You start building it up and, and it's, you know, the one thing that Julian always says is it's not good enough to not hate yourself. It's we need to learn to love ourselves again. Mm -hmm. And it's that it just sometimes it takes time because when you're with, you know, when you've been in finance and you've dealt with probably the most asshole people you could probably ever think of yep. and 
the moral or value, the moral scale starts to shift a little bit and the disconnect from yourself just starts to go to just external validations. Mm-hmm. You can't expect 10 years, 15 years, one year of that to be fixed in one session or in a month or in a six week and program. And a fortune hour a day, yeah. days. Yeah, and the coffee mm-hmm. amount and the whatever pills and the cocaine going, that comes whatever. in. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all that stuff starts to have a buildup. And so mm-hmm. you can't expect that fix to happen overnight. Like if you like talking military, like I've talked to some of those guys and the amount of shit they've seen and have to have gone through, you can't expect that person to listen to Moana and then be like, all right, I'm happy, right? It's gonna, there's gonna They're be a happy. lot. Yeah that needs to come through and it's that should be our job as as coaches is being able to understand that part of it because mm-hmm. then we can do so much to disrupt that ptsd world it's just all medications to yep. disconnect more sorry to, to, no, no 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 go, go there but yeah. before he goes there uh we're gonna go right back but before i go there there's something called cardiac coherence mm-hmm. where your, your heart doesn't just pump it's a it's a rhythm yeah. Like, uh, you know, like a monotone for piano. It's a rhythm that gets that gets there. And we can measure it. It's in hertz. It's 0.1 hertz. When it gets to a specific uh, wave-like, you know, sine wave-like pattern and everything, it brings every other organs that are based on that rhythm in sync. And then it's we... the resonant frequency? Yeah. It, okay. but like the whole body gets into resonance. Like it's been measured. It's the yeah. craziest stuff ever. But that comes from... It comes from cardiac coherence. Mm-hmm. So that means that it's stabilizing the heart in a specific pattern. And that's what the point of... Um, of Disney December to a degree is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and that, that all we do is to get to cardiac coherence when the body is in sync. Mm-hmm. Everything. But when you get there, everything gets in sync. You open doors. And as Richard was just saying... That doesn't mean you're ready to open those doors. Yeah. That's the problem, though. Everybody yeah. says, I want that. Hey, you might not like what you see. And remember, like when you push your body 14 hours a day and you take the coffee and you take the stuff, what do you always take? Uppers. Mm-hmm. What is cocaine? What is all this? Yeah. It's uppers. Everybody's going on uppers. I don't care if you're taking meth, if you're taking coffee. Or, it's uppers, uppers, uppers. Right. That has a major effect on your heart. Yeah. Your heart beats a lot faster. And then you addicted to the sympathetic, to the stress, to... That's why people are assholes also, because it's a sympathetic fix. It's yeah. like that continuous fighting everybody. Your heart is constantly being pounded. You do that for 10 years. Like, and now I'm trying to bring you back. The whole stem is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just jump into cardiac coherence like that, even though that's the goal. And then that's what Richard is talking about, is bringing people... Like, the, that idea is simple of cardiac coherence. Getting them there, yes. that's what the magic is. a little more work. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's what you saw, right? Yeah. Even with your, uh, yeah, with your military guys, like yeah. suddenly telling them to go there. Okay, but what if it opens the doors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to like what you see, though. Like, right. that's not what we promise, by the way. And what if they have a deployment coming up? Do you want to be opening up those doors and then having them have to deal with that shit while they're on deployment and now they don't want to go do the job they're supposed to be doing? Well, yeah. they have to shoot someone. Like when there's, you know. <laughs> or oh, it's when, them getting shot? Yeah, it's yeah. them getting shot. Like, then at that point, it's like, okay, so then I can't have you connect. Like, we had a, I have a firefighter as well. And I was like, if you're still active and you're doing all this stuff, the connection. You want to have the connection there, but you also need to have that disconnect because you do need to go straight to doing your thing. And there's a reason that I'm not an EMT or a firefighter or a cop. Like you, you're gonna see shit that people should not be seeing. It traumatizes yeah. you, right? Yeah. And so that 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 part of it, there does need to be a disconnect. There needs to be a balance, right? So that's where you need exactly. to work with each person because there are like I 
whenever I have clients that are like, no, I'm, I'm a very normal. And I'm like, you're the most fucked up one, aren't you? You know what I mean? <laughs> she said like, that. I can yeah. see it. And they're like, well, and then they start talking about certain things. But you, you like, I can always tell, right? And you, you go always like, okay, so that's where you can see, I can see where their baseline is, their reaction. I, can, I know exactly how much I'm going to be able to push versus I have people that will come and they'll tell me every single trauma, even like their sprained finger. And you're like, you're going to be one of those. So those are the ones that you can really kind of rev a little bit more. But so you start to pay attention to those patterns. But yeah, so but that's the key. So so when you have someone, do you start to, to do you start with a reaction to stress or do you start with a baseline? That's a good question. That's yeah. a very good question. Yeah. And that's where Richard is in. Yeah. Is that he'll have to see, and that's what we're trying to teach, is he'll have to see if the reaction to stress is the issue or if the baseline is the issue. Yeah. Again, mm -hmm. like that's just because you end up at a six like once you train does not mean you're getting there the right way yeah. maybe you're getting there from the wrong baseline and the wrong reaction to stress what we need is a right baseline and the right reaction to stress and yeah. that's so which one do we start with how long does that take do i those are all very good questions and very hard to answer yeah. and that's where the magic of richard doing what he does comes in is he'll know which one of the two he should start with and how far do i go because if you go from a nine baseline to a three Your whole life is yeah. going to come crashing down. Well, let's talk about yesterday. <laughs> well, we, we can certainly talk about yesterday. Before, before we do that, how many people actually know what level of baseline do they want to be in? No. Because myself, I have, like I can talk about this, like I have a certain perception of where I'd want to be, like be, be switched on quite for most of the day, right? Right. And then be able to sleep at night. But how many people actually... Uh, know and have the self-perception that are able to connect I, on. I think when I work with clients, I feel like they always a move the goalpost once I get them where they want, want totally. to be. Yeah. Um, and it's always more about just having the conversation, like being able to have the conversation and having the clear expectation for them understanding that they have no fucking clue where they are. Yeah. And what I mean by they have no fucking clue where they are, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's almost always a split identity. They yeah. want to be here because of the, the super ego, if you will. Yeah. This is where my people, my client, my community thinks I am. This is where I need to be performing. And then their true self that it is like, but yeah, but dude, this is what I really want. Like I have that a lot with gym owners and everything that are like, I need to perform and be this, this, this visualization of what it is, but I don't enjoy it. I don't yeah. want to be that. And then they have a really hard time splitting. So I always tell people, I will allow you to see the truest you. What you decide to do with it is going to be up to you, right? Mm -hmm. So you say you want to be here because you have all these tasks at hand and you're having these projects and work and life and everything. And then your true is going like, yeah, bro, but I just kind of want to go chill at the beach for a little bit and, you know, just not have so much fucking pressure of having to be this persona. Mm -hmm. So where is it that we, we can meet somewhere in the middle? I'm not saying we need to, I need to totally... But I will show you your truest form of you, and you get to decide that. That's not up to me. But that's mm -hmm. it, by the way, that's the entire uh, concept of base everything. Yeah. of psychoanalysis. Though yeah. super ego mm -hmm. versus the id. Freud is the first one to bring. Fine, it's not the first one, but he brought that up and make a career out of that. Right? He's yeah. you versus the pressures of society. Where mm -hmm. do you stay? That's yeah. a very hard question, and one each has to answer. And this will change over time. By yeah. the way. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's, it's, again, it's that balance. So like I have, uh, the fighters that I work with is it's funny because I can see who wants to be the champion and who's pretending they're going to be the champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can really see, cause I'm like, dude, I get to show you and you could see in their face, like with the burn, the questions, they're like, 
they fucking almost start to quit. And I'm like, dude, do you want to be here? Or do you not? Like, this isn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to count when you're in the ring, but this is where you get to answer it. Like, do you really want to be in that ring or are you going to be there just fucking throwing the boxes to get paid type thing? Yeah. And which there's no money in, well, no, but it's, there, a, but it's a good it's thing that. because, look, for example, is do you want to be there in the ring? Do you want to be there in life? Mm-hmm. For example, me being there in the ring was never of a good motivation no. to burn the questions yeah. ever. That's why I couldn't make it because I didn't have it. Like hurting the other guy did not give me that arousal that my Tyson right. had yeah. or the stuff. But the idea of do I want to be here in life? Mm-hmm. That makes me go on the sled every single time. Like just yeah. saying it is enough for me to go like, just put the sled, I'll do it right now. It's like, I want to be where I want to be in life, yeah. but not in the ring. I didn't have it in the ring. So I was, I'm not a good fighter. Yeah. I, mean, I can be very technical, but I'm not a good fighter because I don't have it. But for life, fuck yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, but that's that question, right? Because yeah. if he's at a high end level, about to get his black belt, has been doing jujitsu for so long, you have that question where you're like, do I want, like, where do you go? After do I care? That? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Do I really care? The black belt, I still don't care. I, I know I have the level, but I never got it. I mm-hmm. never got the black belt, but I do have the level. And for me, honestly, that was enough. Yeah. I still want to go back to just to spar, but for the art of jiu-jitsu, the black belt itself, I was like, yeah, it's, it's not enough for me to care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life matters, right. not doing stuff. But that's me. I, by the way, I'm not saying that's, that's yeah. what people should it's just it's me but you have to answer that question like yeah. that the super ego stuff has almost no effect on me mm-hmm. very little yeah very I, little you cannot say no effect <laughs> but it's very very little <laughs> that is not what pushes me like the it yeah. for me I'm mostly there but so it has any changes in life I've, it didn't for yeah. me let's be honest right. but uh, that's a question everybody has to answer mm-hmm. yeah and so most of this process a lot of this process I think you mentioned this yesterday was unpeeling the layers of the onion yeah. to actually uncover what not the the super ego wants or the default mode network ego right. is saying. Yeah, so th- and, th- and that's what I do, right, is I allow the observation side, the nervous system to take control yep. and just tr- have you truly act. Mm-hmm. And the narration that you'll have in your head came afterwards, right? So that's why I said, just go home, listen to Disney music, don't pay attention to anything, nasal breathing only. Yeah. And that's when you started to have those real conversations like, oh, fuck. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll, I'll just keep peeling away until you until one day you're going to be going home or I have people like in the shower or at the gym. They'll have the breakdown. And it's because they're realizing they can't hide from themselves anymore. There's yeah. no outside stimulus to disconnect from themselves. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Is I force you to connect with who you truly are, yeah. without any bullshit. And so, how does the let's connect the muscles to connecting with who you really are? Uh, because, yeah. and maybe this is a good point to talk about yesterday. Yeah. Because yesterday you took me through a series of exercises, which it was a very different modality than anything I've ever experienced before in the sense that it wasn't like three by tens or whatever. We were going through different series of exercises. What is the sort of, maybe you can walk us through just if you're willing to share this, the, uh, the reason behind that and just sort of how does the muscle represent uh, the connection to everything? So we started playing around after the, genetic hierarchy and we started kind of noticing the breathing and just these overwhelming sensations and expressions coming from the body and then we started to put together just patterns of different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and different muscles that were turned on or turned off 
So if you if if well, you see patterns like with CrossFitters, you'll see certain muscles that are overtaking others, and certain muscles that stop firing. You see rugby players, same exact thing. Military, same thing. Um, people that have had sexual trauma will have a certain amount of certain muscles that turn on and turn off. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the structural muscles, and I try to get a true neural connection with them, if you will, like mm-hmm. a true action, a true fight out of the muscle. Um, not just a contraction, but a true fight out of the muscle. And I started to notice that you have a, what would be like behavioral conditioning almost happening with the muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that's basically what I do is I see people in a different lens. Mm-hmm. And as I start to look at them and I start to work with them, I see them as to what they true. I, I see them for the, the truest self that wants to come out and things that may be blocking that from happening. And so mm-hmm. I just start to work with certain muscles that are very efferent in nature that you need to force them to act. Um, and I start going at it that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what I do is that depending on, on, on what you need, what you need work on emotionally and behaviorally, I will do it through training. And so I started to do this and I wouldn't tell people cause it, how do you state people like, hey, yeah. the emotions are stuck in the muscles? Because we still don't know exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, but I, well, all I would do is I would come to John. I was like, hey, I think this means this. And I think this means, he goes, okay. And then I would go train clients. And I would see the transformation of behavior as they started to connect more and more with certain muscles. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let's give an example, just one example. For example, we saw that people, like there's a connection between safety, the feeling of safety yeah. and arm strings. Yeah. Like you see it all the time. There's stuff like that patterns we just keep seeing again and again and again. So we had like like all good science, which yeah. is based in French model, like it's hypothesis versus observation, right? Mm-hmm. We made a certain prediction toward uh, certain muscle doing certain things. And so far, the observation come back always, always the same. So yeah. the only thing is, uh, Richard knows exactly how to do it. We know we've mapped this. We call it emotional mapping. We've mm-hmm. mapped this fairly precisely, I yeah. think, over, over the last five years. Richard and me, uh, my job is to come up as to why this happens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so far, I've failed. <laughs> I, There's, I have ideas, yeah. I have ideas, but it's still like, it's, it, that's, we're going back into Maxwell's demon and all that stuff. Like, yeah. there seems to be something there. I just, William Reich is someone who started that work 100 mm-hmm. years ago. And I think we are going one step further than he did. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think he was wrong. That's, that's going to sound arrogant, but he was wrong on a few things. And I, because he didn't have the knowledge of the nervous system that we have now, the neuroscience and everything. And I, I, I do believe we're taking in a way his work and going it further mm-hmm. toward that. And on that road, we've seen connections of specific type of patterns, yeah. emotions, and specific muscle groups, always the large ones. Yeah. And that's the work. So when we want to access something, we go through that muscle group. Yeah. And that's what Richard has been doing. Yeah. And then I can tell, depending, I've, I have this chain of muscles now where I can tell if, you know, like when you feel like your back goes out, mm-hmm. like you have back spasms, whatever it is, depending on that small muscle, it's sending the signal of pain or discomfort. I can tell what you're trying to block now. Okay. Like that, that's the cool new one. And I think I'm very close on, it's the, I'm very close on all of them. In, in terms so, of what you're trying to block, what do you mean there? In terms of um, like if you're if I'm trying to get you to find your your pec and you go straight up here in the neck, it means something. Versus if you go behind the shoulder blade, 
Okay. So, Do you feel the pain, um, the level of discomfort? If you try to over, to compensate, yeah, mm -hmm. like we're asking you the pack, but your stuff is you're not gonna. I'm not gonna use the pack. I'm gonna use something else. Yeah, whatever you use in order to not use the pack will tell us something. Okay, that's yeah. why he's talking about. Like if you use your neck versus the shoulder blade, those are they're both trying to avoid the pack, but they're avoiding the pack for a different reason. Yeah, okay. and you're still not using the pack, by the way. So no. we still have to get there. So we, you, there's just two different ways of avoiding using the pack. But depending on where and what muscle you use to avoid using the pack, that tells us what the root cause is of you not using the pack. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, because I was like you yesterday with the oblique opener, I came up to you. I was like, "Hey, did this happen?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, a little bit." <laughs> yeah. I mean, towards the end of it, it was just because I, I do have. Here we go. We're gonna go, we're gonna go down this because I wanted to ask you guys this um, separately. But uh, obviously, psychedelics is having a little bit of a renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. And Definitely. so Joe Rogan is the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan is to blame. And I've had some past experience with it. And yeah. towards the end of yesterday, there was something that uh, we were doing with, I believe it was the oblique opener. At the yeah, end, yeah. Um, towards the towards the end, where I had almost the exact same feeling yeah. that I've mm -hmm. had on DMT. Which I could have taken you there, but again, you have to work and everything. So, I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, we can't take this far. Yeah, yeah, we've okay. done it. Yeah, like, so but you have to, we, we did this with Rich, where we yeah. crash ourselves for like three days, and I've done a workout where I couldn't sleep for three days. Uh, yeah. We've done this, like it's drug experience. We like, just do it on after it. Black Friday. You can do this to me. Right, I there just we have go. Stuff to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. let I me mean, sell the shit first. Yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll go do it. But so basically, I do it, and I and I I started wanting to change my name from doing assessments to doing movement ayahuascas because I thought it was sounded funny yeah um but it's yeah so yeah basically and and i just do it in an active way right mm -hmm. so i always we talk about being active and passive and i think that we're in a phase where everything that we're trying to accomplish to become more centered is always done passively yeah right mm -hmm. i'm not saying that dmt doesn't have awesome results or anything but it's it's showing you shit that maybe you're not ready for people that have bad trips right yeah um well it's someone else showing you the door anyway yeah. you're not you know it's morpheus versus new yeah. yeah right showing you the door is one thing cross it is another all the passive stuff is still like how much do you take because based on how much you take, you're going to go further, right? Yeah. But who's to say how far you should go? Only you knows that. You yeah. know that. So that's the problem when we have also yeah. with people that do manipulation physically and release emotion. I'm like, yeah. how the fuck do you know which what one to release? Yeah. And yeah. how hard do we go in this? It's still someone else in control of your release of emotion, right. yeah. which fundamentally I believe is wrong. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is to give you the tools to go as far as you should go. Mm -hmm. But only you know. Mm -hmm. We yeah. don't. And this is where you're reading the eyes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I read the everything that's happening in the body, but yeah, the eyes, the face has a lot to do with it, the way you're breathing, mm -hmm. the way just small, small details that are happening in the shoulders and the at the foot level as well. Uh, I just, I look at the whole thing and I just start to see what how much you can actually tolerate. Okay, so the, the reason we're not going to call it movement ayahuasca, even though that's what this is, because if he says it, then, then people it's... will come for that and then they'll fail. Yeah. Because yeah. they have the expectation of, take me on a psychedelic trip yeah. and the second they think that, they just close the door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because now they expect Richard to take them there. So of now course. he became passive. Yeah. Then, yeah. And the key of that, we're going back to Maxwell Demon. Remember the wanting to be there versus not wanting to be there? Mm -hmm. The flag versus flight? It's that. It's the intent that you put in a workout. If we say Ayahuasca, they're going to come in a passive way course, to reach yeah. out to say, give me the drug. And then now you don't want to be there. You're not present. Yeah. And you failed everything already. Mm -hmm. The point is that you do it 
not Richard. Richard is going to is Morpheus, not Neo. He's going to give you the keys, and you're going to walk through the uh, through the door. But mm -hmm. you have to be active in that. There's that information management Maxwell Demon that is the core of everything there. Yeah. So that's why we didn't call it Ayahuasca, even though that's what this is, because people will come with the wrong idea and already have failed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, your SEO on movement ayahuasca would be quite high. I, yeah, I think yeah, that right. would be, that's an easy thing to market. <laughs> yeah, um, that would be easy to market, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to bring it back to baseline. How are you guys on time, by the way? Oh, we're fine. Keep going. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, the baseline and using using training to manipulate mm -hmm. baseline, we're talking a little bit about emotional mapping, but uh, a lot of the audience is sort of representative of what I told you yesterday, just sort of people with backgrounds in high-pressure industries, uh, lots of anxiety, perhaps depression as well. Um, we talked about Disney December in terms of how we can use that a little bit. What are some of the other modalities of movement that we can use to manipulate the... Not manipulate, that's the wrong word. Um, to... Uh, maybe re, uh, reposition baseline. And well, if you wanted it to go up, for example, there's a burn the question. So if yeah. we go from a deterministic point of view, which is wrong, but again, let's oversimplify it. Yeah. Take it, take the way you want. No, but for example, let's just look at the, let's say that your baseline is lower compared to what you would want. So again, yeah. oversimplification, but I would want a sympathetic uh, nervous system to kick in a little bit more. So mm -hmm. that means what? That means noradrenaline a little bit higher. Yeah. That means lactate levels a little bit higher. So mm -hmm. you'd have two ways to do that. You could pick fights with your spouse and or fuck up your life and stress yourself out, which would <laughs> yeah. raise your level of lactate, which we see all the time. Or you could do strength training. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't want to go into too much uh, technical stuff, but for example, lactate is not just enough to produce lactate. Lactate has to be carried to the right place it has to yeah. be like for example if you produce a lot of lactate physically past a certain level it will be actually brought to the brain as fuel normally the brain uses the the astrocytes use the glucose through the astrocyte yeah. to produce his own lactate mm -hmm. but if you have a certain level of lactate in the body it can cross the blood brain barrier to feed the brain directly right yeah. But it's not that simple. To get the lactate to the brain, I need what is called an MCT, which is a transporter of lactate. Yeah. It turns out that for the brain, you need the one or the four. The four is only produced in a type 2X muscle fiber, so yeah. the explosive muscle fiber. So if I want that lactate to get to the brain, I need to produce the lactate through explosive training. Otherwise, you won't have the MCTs that you need to carry it to the brain, which means it will just sit in the body and not go where it needs to be, which is another problem in itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's never that simple. Yeah. And so that means that in order to raise your baseline, I need to get you to get stronger mm -hmm. explosively, uh, but not just run faster. You need to get stronger. You need, and exposure therapy comes in as well from a psychological perspective and even physiological. But the point is to raise the baseline, I need you to get stronger, mm -hmm. more explosive, just lifts, just get strong. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, would, what do we see in your world of high performance? They all addicted to cardio. Yeah. yeah, you know why? Because cardio is a type one muscle mm -hmm. fiber. Type one muscle fiber absorbs lactate, yeah. do not produce it. Type two muscle fibers produce it. Type one um, consumes it. So if I have a high level of anxiety all the time because I'm tired, because I don't like what I do or whatever, I have a shitty life. I produce lactate. A way to feel better, to lower, not the reaction to stress, but my baseline would be to do cardio. Mm -hmm. It would make me feel better, mm -hmm. right? But then. 
you're not producing the lactate that you need for the brain to perform at its best. So now you're stuck because you keep trying to consume lactate, but you need the lactate in the brain. But the only way you're going to get it there is by doing strength. But strength, when it produces lactate, might stress you out at first because you're not dealing with the stuff. And so now you can get into a vicious cycle of needing the lactate, but not producing it. And though to produce it, you need to be more anxious. So you're going to fuck up your life even more. So cardio in a weird way can lead you to fuck up your life even more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we see it in long distance runners where literally I've seen some like instead of getting strong they will start to sabotage themselves mm -hmm. and one of the reasons would be the need for lactate which would make sense if you understand the correlation mm -hmm. so there mm -hmm. are different ways to create lactate let's do it with strength it's going to turn out a lot better for you mm -hmm. so strength but you're also assessing like their environment right because the Always. environment that they yeah that of course you, the people that you interact with, your your family members, et cetera, are going to, I mean, as you highlighted mm -hmm. with your daughter, yep. uh, influence your lactate levels. And so this is where looking at it reductionist is pretty stupid. Of course. Yeah. That's why the pills kill me. Because mm -hmm. pills is taking the lows away and taking the highs away. Yeah. But, so it's doping for athletes. Mm -hmm. Like I know your people are going to hate me when I say this. But no, you, you can. Okay. <laughs> Good. You guys are going to love this. Um, I'm taking an athlete. Yeah. he's training as much as he can and he has gained the strength that he thinks he can gain he's tired he's under recovered so he thinks let me have more carbs let me have more coffee so i can train more okay he does that instead of getting smarter in his training in understanding how to train better he's just doing more because mm -hmm. more is better right we all know this right so more hours spend doing the stuff at some point when i've had there's only so much coffee i can have i can't sleep at night there's only so much carbs so much sugar i can have I'm realizing that I can't get to the next stage because all I'm doing is more. That requires always a bigger fix for the sympathetic nervous system to keep going. Mm -hmm. Then I might be tempted to go toward drugs. So at first, anti-inflammatories, because the sympathetic is completely out of control, my joints are aching. All right, so anti-inflammatories, then painkillers. Yeah. Then eventually steroids, because yeah. I need to recover better. So now I, I start to take steroids for recovery. Then eventually I need to take more, and then I just keep moving forward and forward and forward until now I'm on drugs, on real drugs, and then, okay. This is exactly the steps the high performers are taking. This yeah. is what those pills do. They're all no adrenaline reuptake blockers, right? Mm -hmm. So what do they do? They work 12, 14 hours a day. They're stressed out. They're tired and they're angry. So now here comes the sympathetic fix coffee, drugs, or whatever. And then at some point, the body wants to crash. Mm -hmm. And the lows become unbearable. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning, and you just you feel like shit. Mm -hmm. You can't get out of bed. You fucking hate everything. You know why? Because you're tired. Mm -hmm. And you're angry because you don't like what your life is doing to you. So how do I block those lows? I can either change the environment, or I take pills that allow me to stay in the center. Mm -hmm. Right. Guess what? That's doping. Mm -hmm. That's the equivalent of my guy over there doing the steroids. Mm -hmm. So now those pills that were created to stop people from jumping are just a form of doping for the high performers. Yeah. And that, but the problem is now you're four years in and you've taken the lows. That's true. So that you can go back to work the next day and work your 12 to 14 hours. But now you've taken the highs out of life as well. Mm -hmm. And now you fucking hate everything even more, yeah. except if you get off the pills. The laws are going to be even worse because remember, you got four years out of it. We see the same thing with doping. People, now that they've been on massive amount of steroids for four, five, ten years, if you take them out, then what? The hormonal system is fucked. It's going to take you two years to get, if you can, to get your testosterone back to normal. Yeah. Who wants those two years? No one does. If you did want to do that, you wouldn't be on pills in the first place because you would have fixed it back then. Because yeah. now it's twice. 
10 times harder to fix it. Mm -hmm. That's why we see with the high performers. You sold your soul to the devil for those pills to keep working. And now you're going to have to pay the piper. Mm -hmm. And it's rough. So but for, it's doping. For the cognitive high performer. Um, yeah. Yes, sort of same the thing. First, the first step, if you will, or it, I'm just going through my own past experience yep. with this. The first step seems to be, okay, sugar, coffee, whatever it mm -hmm. is to keep you awake. Yep. Aren't you just, uh, we've talked about astrocytes before. Yep. You're just blowing up your yeah. astrocytes. And at some point that, that mechanism, which used to serve you in order to get yeah. the lactate in there, that's gone. Well, the sympathetic is gone sooner yeah. or later. And so when the sympathetic is gone, guess what happens? We're going to go to freeze because now the expenditure of energy has run out. You just mm -hmm. can't anymore. Like every time you're pushing the barrier and you're hitting the survival mechanisms that are just going to push back harder and harder until suddenly you just can't anymore. And here comes a massive depression. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They give you pills so you can go back toward the center. So again, going toward the sympathetic. In the meantime, that rage inside is building up just as much as that incapacity to deal with the fatigue that you have emotionally, psychologically, and physically. And so you're just pushing that, that line even further and further and further. But sooner or later, you have to pay the piper. Yeah. And so cognitively speaking, you will start to come down. And so now you need to up the dosage. Mm -hmm. and up the dosage and now yeah, new drugs come in drug, yeah. switch your drug do something but the noradrenaline level have to level off mm -hmm. because now at first they were too high but then they crash too low and the pills allow you to come back in the center mm -hmm. from too high or from too low doesn't matter if I take the pills out mm -hmm. oh boy but it's doping 101 mm -hmm. that's what this is this is the athletes this is the same reasoning as athletes have to go on steroids and you face the same issues on the way out which means how do you get the body to do what it does so I've taken a lot of people out of the pills, right? Lately, working on this. But you have to understand one simple truth is when I take the pills away, before you feel amazing. So you took the pills because you were angry and tired. Yeah. When we start taking the pills away, before you feel amazing and happy and you get the highs, guess what you're going to be? Tired and angry. Because yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to take you back there. I'm going to mm -hmm. have to go through that to take you to high, feeling better about yourself and everything. It's not going to take a week. Mm -hmm. And I have to deal with the physiological thing that you did. So I need to get you stronger. I need to get you fitter. I need to do the Disney December. I need to fix the sympathetic fixes that you have, nutrition or other stuff. And then eventually, we'll have to face the fact that you, that life that you're having, the 14-hour days, six days a week and all that stuff, no one can do, not mm -hmm. without help. Mm -hmm. And so you crash, which in your world is the worst possible thing one can hear. Yeah, this is the ultimate source of humiliation is to not being able to grind. Because mm -hmm. everybody yeah. in that world is just sort of, how, do I, how do I work harder? How do yep. I sleep less? And how do I look good naked? That's all they care about. Exactly. And it's all, but so all the stuff, your stuff is basically uh, measurable yeah. by others. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going to take away the number of hours that you can uh, that you can work. You're going to look like the guy who can't grind, who's weak mentally. The, the level of judging in that world is equivalent at the level of judging with athletes. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same world. High performers are yeah. high performers. Mm -hmm. And we see that with powerlifters. Yeah. Guys will just use cocaine if steroids don't work, but they're not going to bench under this number or they're not going to squat under <laughs> this number. Like, who That's gives crazy. a shit? Yeah. I haven't heard. I haven't heard co cocaine and powerlifting other than the West Side oh, fuck yeah. But that oh no 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 no. The, oh, well, they have no no. But you should see the the, the amount of drugs they take now though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, bodybuilding is crazy. Well, the they shit have they the deal with. Now. They have. They have all kinds yeah, of the shit. SARS, the SARMs, whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, I mean, SARMs 
those I, I've heard of being used even in the anti-aging world, right? In terms of right, just quantities, man. Uh, yeah, it's, the quantities okay, look, if, you, if you can do a line of coke a week or um, once a month and be fine, no, but some people do and they never get yeah. addicted to it. Yeah. Then it's just fine. It's like DMT and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I don't do it, but I have no problem with it. If you do it and you get functional results out of it and you do you have fun once a month you go out or you do yeah. you go to tomorrowland and you're on drugs for three days yeah if you can come back and you're fine then it's all good who <laughs> i have no problem with this psychedelic has been part of mankind forever if you smoke a joint once in a while to relax at night so you sleep better why is that a problem that's yeah. not what we're talking about is now you start smoking your joint at nine in the morning yeah now you need to do you know, like the, the drug, the cocaine, every single day just yep. to work. No. Now we're talking about a problem. So it's dosages, man. It's like mm -hmm. what you see in the strength port now. Like, they tell, look, so TRT levels, right, is about 100 milligrams of, of testosterone a week. Guys take two grams, five yeah. grams. I've heard five grams at Westside, yeah. like five grams. That's a year worth of normal TRT, a year wow. in a week. Wow. They, they don't talk uh, 100 milligrams. They talk syringes. I did 10 millimeters, I did, yeah, and it, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's the most insane stuff ever. But in the high performance world, they have to understand, you're doing the same. Yeah. When you're on 50 milligrams on this or this and switch drugs and everything, guess what you're doing? Mm -hmm. The exact same shit. Mm -hmm. To take you, once you've crossed a certain line to take you out, we can do it. Okay. But so, it's going to take some work. Yeah. So do you even look at this in terms of caffeine, right? Because caffeine, I, I guess, would be like a Do you need, okay. One coffee in the morning because yeah. you like it. Okay, so let's talk about caffeine for yeah. a second. Is coffee the first thing you do out of bed? Are we talking about me? Or in general, so? like let's uh, say high performers. Uh, I would assume that a lot of people Right, is. so yeah. do you take that coffee because you need the stimulation? Because otherwise the world is dull and you cannot see anything out of it. Yeah. That or, happens a lot. Yeah. So if the first thing you do is get a coffee, so it's because you need a sympathetic, because what the sympathetic does also is it, it, make, it gets your senses more acute. Yep. Why? Because the bear is coming. When mm -hmm. the bear is coming, you have to be able to be careful. Mm -hmm. So that attentive thing that you get, that's a sympathetic reaction. Mm -hmm. Are you getting a sympathetic reaction because you go like, I love my life. I'm going to kill training today. I'm going to do a podcast and everything. And you're already up going like, oh, I feel good. Let's, let's go kill this world. I mean, like, let's go kill it. Yeah. That's you. Mm -hmm. If you need to get that reaction from coffee first thing in the morning, guess what? It's not you. It, so it's all about really intention and purpose. Always. Okay. Intent. Yeah. Always, 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 always. Do you get coffee because you can't get the buzz any other way? Mm -hmm. Then you have a problem. Then that's a fix. I just love the damn taste. It's so good. Yeah. Then that's okay. Yeah. Then okay. can you have decaf? Uh, yeah, I, I drink a lot of decaf. Then Okay, then you like the taste of coffee. Yeah. That's fine. But so that's the thing between also one coffee... Right in the morning or already, if you take an hour and then your day started, you get a coffee, you get a bump. Okay, one is fine. Do you take one or six mm -hmm. or 12? Yeah. Or are you soda, sugar? Like, it's always the same. Man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to know the difference when it's a fix or just a pleasure. It's something you enjoy. That's awesome. Go. When it becomes a fix, you have to be able to look in the mirror and go mm -hmm. like, all right, like, what am I doing this for? I mean, because I enjoy the taste or because I need that to just go through my day. Then it's an entire different conversation because now you're going down a specific path. Yeah. You're not listening to your body, basically, yeah. which it always comes down to. So uh, before I move into really what will become sort of final four rapid fire questions, I want to hear what's the future of StrongFit? Because you guys <laughs> are ever evolving. Ever yeah. evolving. Yeah, because you guys are really pushing. Like I, I enjoy everything that you put out. And you're really anything from, we didn't even get into the protocol, uh, but it's really pushing um, 
new boundaries and I enjoy that. What's the future look like? I think the future will be redefining the way people look at fitness mm-hmm. and movement as a whole about allowing people that are passionate about helping others being able to come in the forefront and truly being able to make the next evolution of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it was, it was funny cause we were sitting, we're in 2020 already. So we were sitting five years ago at a coffee shop and I told Julian, what do you want out of strong fit? And he said, I want to change mental health for the better. I want to, I want to better it. I want to figure out the solution for it. And I was like, at this time, we we're just doing movement only. And I was like, yeah, all right. I was like, let's start with fixing deadlifts. You know, yeah, he looked at me with yeah. like, okay, sure. You know, and I, and I think that it's starting to get there. So I think that outside of the evolution that we'll have within the fitness industry and the health industry, I think that we will be able to create what will be common sense of how the body works yeah. for the regular person. I think that when you try and talk about health, to people a they have no clue they're extremely ignorant about their own body their own health um and when you talk to anybody they have phd level master level you know phd plus level and they talk in such an elitist form that makes you feel ignorant and not want to learn more yeah right so don't know shit does way. yeah and so i think <laughs> that being able to have the connection between those worlds and deliver a message that's very clear simple and practical will allow StrongFit A to grow massively, but I think it'll allow the evolution to happen on a mass population on how they can educate themselves about themselves. Mm-hmm. What I want is that, is mental health. Yeah. I want to improve it. And so I think what I want, fine. I want to be a translator of Carl Friston in a way, but not just the world that he's using. Yeah. His work is extremely on the... It's very, very academic because that's who he is, but also because those are the only people that can actually listen to his words because he goes into you know, such specific stuff. We need a translation of those words, but we need also a translation of the concepts into a practical aspect so we can yeah. actually help people, not yeah. just do the stuff on the blackboard and explain like the concepts of it. It has to be translated into a physical format. Tactical. Yeah. Someone has to take this and apply it. Mm-hmm. And very, very few people can. Mm-hmm. but I happen to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I want StrongFit to be that, to be a practical application of what we understand the system to be now. We are better than we were 100 years ago, and yet very, very little progress has been made outside of new pills mm-hmm. in the sense of mental yeah. health. There's been progress. Like at least we don't lobotomize <laughs> schizophrenic people anymore. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> in the last 60 years, years it's better. better. In what, 1940 or something? Like or oh, 1960. In 1960, uh, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, up to that. Uh, lobot- uh, lobotomization always. Uh, remember uh, f- um, uh, with Scala, flew over the cuckoo's, ne- uh, yeah. cuckoo's yeah. nest yeah. with uh, Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Yeah. They lobotomize him at the end. And yeah. it's like what? 60s, 60s, at least, if not 70s. Yeah. They're still doing it in some Eastern European countries. Or some Eastern yeah, state so. in the US, you mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, Soon to be th- yeah, yeah. Th- there is no, there is progress. I'm always bitching because I want to see things happen faster because yeah. I don't like to see people suffer. But the mm-hmm. fact is, there is progress. But there is a fundamental change that needs to happen for mental health to progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people working toward that. Carl Frisson, I believe, being the top of the spear on that. But there's a translation of that that is not being done. And if we let 
Western society just do its thing, it'll take 50 years mm -hmm. for us. We can get there faster. And mm -hmm. I think I'm happen to be one of the few who can get it to a practical application a lot faster. And the problem also with that side, the medical side, is they will not use movement as a therapy. They it's don't know movement themselves. They're a yeah. bunch of fucking nerds. I'm a nerd, so that's why I can say it. I'm yeah. the biggest nerd you've met. But I'm also on the other side of the movement side. And you see that when you look at a lot of studies, they do not understand movement. They do not use movement. Most of the studies are done on a bicycle. They don't understand the, the importance of strength training, of different modalities of training. That side of, of this world do not understand that. Mm -hmm. And so you need someone that does both to be able to do that. And there's very few who can do it even there. And I happens to be one of them in that. So mm -hmm. I think between the, those combinations, we can provide a translation of the work that is being done right now in an actual form to actually help people. Mm -hmm. And so the high performers is where I want to go next, me, because uh, within strong fit, but even me on my own, because I want to take people off of pills. Yeah. That's what I want. You and I have had conversations on the education system in the past, and I feel like exactly. we could go there, but that's an entire... <laughs> that's another podcast that's a, that, as well, but I agree. I would agree with that as well. Education, the format has to change. Yeah, the siloed approach just doesn't work. It's not working, and but the deterministic aspect of the medical science has to change. Mm -hmm. they, need, they need to have their quantum mechanical epiphany, if you mm -hmm. want, but that'll take, obviously, even longer. But in the meantime, we can take people off of pills, off of anxiety, because it is a function. We can help with anxiety. You don't take people off of anxiety since it's a function, yeah. but you can help with it. We can help with depression. We, we can help them rely on themselves instead of outsiders, yeah. instead of others. That's mm -hmm. really the work yeah. we want to do. And I think it's not even we can, it's we are. We are doing <laughs> we it, are. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but again, relying, the, the key is to you relying on yourself to do this, not that passive system that, that is obviously very scalable mm -hmm. and highly marketable and yeah. highly financially interesting mm -hmm. of providing that service to a maximum amount of people through scalability. Yeah. Guess what? It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's why we sing with pills. Capitalism is great. It should not be relating to specific things. And that's one of them. Mental health is not about money. Yeah. Even though you need yeah. money, we all agree on that, but it's not about money. What we need is to give the tools for people to understand themselves truly and get themselves in a better place mentally. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. Empowered respons responsibility, right? And that. Just, and responsibility is such... Responsibility is intent. Mm -hmm. It is such an important thing that more and more, for whatever reason, in the last few years, like we're going on the mommy side of things where... Everything is about evading responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's about saying like, there was that crazy post of a woman saying like, uh, like you need to find what you're good at, you know, being driven to finding your passion and everything. And she had an entire post explaining why she has no passion in life and that's who she is and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's fucking insane. <laughs> like she was literally saying like, yeah, I never had a passion. I never, and then that's fine. That's who I am. And basically she was saying, stop saying that because you're making me feel bad about myself. I'm like, that's the point. Yeah. That's the entire <laughs> point. Is that to fucking kick you in the ass? So you yeah, go find something. Who wants to live without passion? Are you on pills already? Mm -hmm. Is that what this is? And I bet you that's what this is. Yeah. But like, this is what kills me about too, is the world is drifting toward that responsibility almost like it's a western capitalist value right. mm -hmm. and i'm like are you guys insane like to me this is insanity so yeah. and if we go that route of responsibility then it's more pills it's mm -hmm. more passive 
fixes that won't fix you because at the end you need to do the work mm-hmm. and if you look what Richard does he allows you to do the work yeah. he's not doing it for you he just allows you to do the work this is the only way forward and everything going back to Carl Friesen that he talks about is the foundation of life that's welcome to Schrodinger and then we go into all this is that is the, it's a Bayesian inference model it requires hypothesis versus observation yeah. observation from whom from you you're the system Mm -hmm. no one else is we can help you there but at the end it's hypothesis versus observation that you do that's what life is and ah. so that's where we want to go amazing all right uh final four questions and i'd love both of you Mm -hmm. to answer kind of meant as sort of a rapid fire but we can have fun with this (laughs) what what excites you guys most about the health world right now Proving them wrong. <laughs> I get so excited. That's yeah. my anarchist. Uh, oh, yeah. I get so excited about that. That's uh, why I love I going in the I rabbit holes because uh, glycol- so lactate as, um, as the only product of glycolysis. Oh, I can't wait to do a master class on that because it's going to piss off 90% of people because if yeah. you Google it right now, it says pyruvate, not lactate. Mm-hmm. And so like this stuff like that, proving, pe- oh, proving them wrong yeah. makes me so happy. Okay, so you agree with that? Uh, one? It's the same, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's always fun. Especially right. uh, when they're right in front of you, you're like, Oh, I love that one. And then you just kind of go, So you don't eat the peck overhead. Go grab a PVC pipe. You just go really quick, and they're like, so physio stuff school um, yeah. pec is an internal rotator of yeah. the of the humerus I'm like alright grab a pec stick and then they grab a pec stick did you engage your pec yes what did the humerus do he externally rotated I'm like mic dropped yeah. <laughs> and then they look at me going like wait no, I'll be right back I'll, I'll come back to you on that I was like go ahead please come back yeah. come back to me on that one do you get more joy when a doctor has that reaction oh so much yeah, you don't understand like it's I get you know like Mike Tyson gets an arousal yeah, that's, like, oh, that's what I get I get hard by the way I'm like yeah I'm really not. I'm hard for science yes. when they say hard for science that's, that's the kind of science I'm talking about like seeing that look in the eyes I'm like yeah oh yeah that's why I get arousal the most I love yeah. is that especially me, doctors me too, me too. especially that. doctors yeah. I love to prove them wrong yeah the only way to make revolution, right? I agree. God disrupted. Uh, top trick for enhancing focus, if you have one. For enhancing focus? Yeah. At a computer desk, at a training session? That's a very... Enhance focus doing what? Um, I mean, we have, time. we have a little bit of time, both. If you... Both. If you're at a desk to enhance focus, I would say... Being able to understand how to nasal breathe all the way down into the diaphragm, not chest breathing, mm-hmm. and moving. Moving okay. your calves more than anything. Okay. So focus is cardiac coherence. Yeah. It's been tested, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that for a few seconds up to a minute through the breathing. Mm-hmm. That works. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be long distance, there's only one way to do it. It's, it's a voluntary control of emotion toward what they call positive emotions, but more like an active one. Mm-hmm. So you want a crease of focus, get something that frustrates you, change your mind about it being frustrated towards something more positive minded yeah. and you'll be focused for an hour. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, I can show you measurements and all the shit on that. It's the eighth hierarchy of the, it's the executive control network. Mm-hmm. If you can access the focus is in the executive control yeah. network. This is a global workspace that we have where all the, the hubs, the ne- networks that use the most energy of the brain get together to create that global workspace that comes out of a synchronization that happens only if you have that voluntary control of emotion in place. So it's a skill that can be developed. But it, re- it requires to go towards something, for example, that we create frustration and shifting it toward a 
what they call a positive mindset. I don't like positive versus negative. Yeah, Much rather use mindset. active mindset. Okay. So it's going from a passive mindset to an active mindset. If you can fuck with that and learn that skill, you can just gain the focus right away. We can use exercise to do that. Mm -hmm. We can use breathing to do that. But at the end, that's a skill that will get you the focus. Mm -hmm. uh, book which has most significantly impacted your life. Oh, fuck me. I mean, Which for ones? you, this is going to yeah. be a laundry list. <laughs> yeah, but the first one is Niche. Uh, the Spag Zaratustra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, love it. That's, I was 18. Of the guy who comes mind. down on the hill. Yeah. 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 Uh, 18, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Like the earliest, the one that, yeah, that one. Then there's been many others since then. There's a laundry list. But uh, there's been a few moments in my life. There's been probably like three or four. That was the first one. Mm -hmm. A big one was What is Life by Schrodinger. Mm -hmm. It was a major, major thing. And then Carl Friston, that actually Richard sent me, was another one of those uh, moments. Mm -hmm. Ryan Holiday, Ego's Enemy. I think it just came at the exact right time when I needed that book. Mm -hmm. So that one, I think, switched everything. Because that was when I just... I told That's him. how you work. Hey, that was his second yeah. book, right? It wasn't. Well, actually, he did all the books Obstacle on advertising the, thing. Obstacle is the way is the first one. Yep. And then ego is the enemy. And but I remember I, I was reading that one, and it was right at the time when I went to June. I was like, we should go do seminars around the world type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so just like it yeah. just came at the right time for me. He's the one who yeah made us go actually. Uh, where can people find out more about you guys? We have a Facebook community group. We have Strong Fit One, Rare Barracuda. Strongfit equipment, strongfit.com, strongfit library, everything. YouTube strongfit. strongfit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Julian's corner. Yeah, it's coming. And gone. then we're gonna have. Uh, there's one I'm missing there. Just Richard's look, corner is coming Richard's too. Richard's. Yeah, we're we're all we're trying to just be everywhere. Email us. Email yeah. us. Yeah. That's strongfit.com. I'll link to all of this stuff yeah, in the show notes. Just email us. Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, again, like, it's it depends where. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it depends also what you're looking for, though. Like, mm -hmm. I only answer the people that I find interesting in their quests in life. Let's yeah. put it this way. Gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you very pleasure. much. Yeah, we're going to awesome. do it again soon. But thank yep. you. Perfect. Thank you pleasure. very much.